Hello and welcome to Indians on Deck. I'm Matt Schlichting here as always with Brian Hemminger. Brian, what's up? What's up? Let's do this. It's been uh, two weeks. We're pumped. There's been a lot going on in those two weeks, too. Mm-hmm. We got a, a pretty awesome slate of things to talk about, and we're going to kick it off with the draft. Yeah. Uh, the 2019 MLB draft took place starting Monday. It went Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 40 rounds. Uh, the first day was just the first two rounds and then like the competitive balance stuff. And then day two was around three through 10. And believe it or not, the final 30 rounds got done faster than rounds three through 10. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is just rapid fire. If you there's like a live feed, they don't even have like people breaking it down anymore because there's a lot of people that players that they just have know nothing about. Uh, I mean, they draft over a thousand players in this draft, right? So you just can't know everybody. But uh, at the end, it's just a live stream, and they're like, "We draft this guy," and then the next team's up, "Oh, we're going to draft this guy." <laughs> like it's just boom, 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 boom. <laughs> it's nuts. So yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun to follow along, though. I mean, it's not nearly as crazy as the the NBA draft with their lottery and all that other stuff, and then or the right. NFL draft with their combines and. The fact that you know they draft those guys and then they're instantly on the team the next season and they're playing, the minor leagues you know kind of takes some of the which is what we're all about, but that takes some of the luster out of the draft because you got to draft a guy and then you got to wait. It's very rare that a player gets drafted then they make an immediate impact. Uh, although the Indians have a guy this season that might make it to the pros within about a year of being drafted, so we'll be talking about interesting. Him. We'll be talking about him today. Because uh, so he had some very good news this week, or in the past two weeks. Yeah, so what were what were some of the highlights from the first couple of days here for the Tribe? Okay. Um, obviously, the, the one of the big highlights was the first pick. His name is Daniel Espino, a high school uh, right-handed pitcher, about six foot two, with a strong lower body. Um, but what was interesting about him was he has the best fastball in the 2019 draft. He can hit up to a uh, hundred miles an hour already. And uh, with some life on it as well. Um, if you check out the Daniel Espino post I made after we drafted him, uh, there is a little Twitter post from the pitching ninja guy on Twitter. And he has some film of what it looks like to face this kid. Cause he was like behind home plate looking out and, like literally from like the same arm angle, uh, fastball comes in, moving inside and up, and then hmm. a wicked just slider uh, comes in and just dives out of the strike zone. And I'm just like, oh my god! So I, I can't wait to see this guy in action. But uh, a lot of people are comparing him to, to Ethan Hankins from last year, except you know without the injury concerns as of now. Uh, you know, Hankins actually dropped a little bit because he had a, a bit of a an injury and lost a little bit of velocity his senior season. But Espino was just nasty. They actually had Espino in the ESPN or the MLB draft room 
like mm-hmm. the day of the that they were announcing the drafts and stuff. They only had they only invited four players, and he was one of them. And the Indians took him, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. That was definitely uh, definitely the, the the pick that people will be talking about most because he's going to be you know the one that they pay the most. He's going to be all eyes are going to be on him as you know the top fastball in the draft and everything. But in terms of uh, other pick, um, the second round pick was interesting. He was the best defensive player in the draft, and he had a great... I liked your description about him, too. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, uh, as basically a glove-first prospect. You know, I kind of joked that that's what people said about Lindor. Obviously, (laughs) Lindor was a better pure hitter than, than Jordis Valdez, who was the Indians pick this year. Nobody expected Lindor to hit for power at the the major league level, and he's definitely doing that right now. So, hey, if the Indians can take a, a glove first prospect that has a lot of talent and turn him into a player that is well rounded and can get on base and also be nasty defensively, hey, could uh, fill a void there potentially. And then the, the Twitter verse was rumbling because it looks like the Indians may have already made a deal with Valdez to sign him. I mean. Usually this stuff happens like weeks after the draft. But I mean, if, if they had already like talked with this kid and kind of made a deal before even then drafting him, that would, that would Mm -hmm. be pretty cool to, that he could start the season right away in the Arizona rookie league. I'll definitely be keeping an eye out to see how he performs. Other standout picks. I really liked a few. Let's see. Christian Cairo was the son of Miguel Cairo, former major league shortstop and utility man. You remember they got him in the fourth round. It looks like that was in a pick that they'll have to you know dish out a little bit of extra money for with the way the draft works. There's like a slot value for all the picks in the first 10 rounds and they can pay more or less and save some money to, to spend on some other players. And I think that Cairo's a one that they'll have to dish out a little bit extra. Another one, Hunter Gaddis, I really liked. He's out of Georgia State, just a small college, and didn't have like the best record or anything, but just has nasty stuff. So I think that that's a, a player the Indians could really mold, like another high strikeout, low walk guy. And I think my favorite name that they drafted Xavion Curry X X Z A V I O N is the first name <laughs> Xavion. He's a right-handed pitcher out of Georgia Tech. I think looking at him, I mean, he throws in the the low to mid nineties. Has a filthy breaking ball. The I think the only reason that he dropped was because he's not big. He's five foot ten, and the Indians have also had a good history of grooming shorter pitchers. Like look at Eli Morgan, who's just been sensational as a, mm-hmm. an undersized starting pitcher with a great changeup. So this could be another one like an undersized pitcher with a, an incredibly good curveball. And it looks like Xavion's friends with Tristan McKenzie and Juan Hillman and a few other guys. So they may have known him in the, the high school scene, and then he went to college, and then now he's getting drafted by the Indians. So that's pretty cool. So, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot of interesting players. I like uh, Jordan Brown, who, if you remember, the Indians had a player named Jordan Brown in their system, and there were even, like, memes about him. What are, why aren't people calling up Jordan Brown? He's, he's doing so good. But now they have another Jordan Brown about six, seven years later as a six foot four shortstop that they drafted in the sixth round out of high school with a lot of power. But there is some swing and miss and some holes in his swing. So that's going to be yeah. a project, I think. And I don't know if he'll stay at shortstop. He's definitely one of the, the better athletes. So very I mean, there's there's some really, really interesting players that they took in this draft. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. You know, I, I have a lot of trust in the Indian system. It seems like they always are looking for college bats that 
uh, like, like for their depth, they're always looking for college bats that are tough to strike out and walked more than they struck out. And they're always looking for pitchers that had good strikeout rates and didn't walk people. Or maybe players that were top prospects and then didn't have a great final season that forced them to drop in the draft. And then they're like, you know, you had that. Let's see if we can get back to it type of thing. So they're always looking for diamonds in the rough like that. Or they're also looking at players from smaller schools that put up crazy numbers, like a James Karinchak. He was from Bryant University. Have you even heard of that school? And (laughs) he's already at AAA, you know, two years later and is, you know, if he didn't have a hamstring injury, he might be on the Indians right now. It just seems like the one we can talk all we want about certain decisions made by the Indians front office and and such in the last couple of seasons but the one area in which it seems like they're unassailable is in getting talent into the low levels of the minor leagues through the draft and through international signing so i'm excited to see these guys yeah i mean look at look at zach look at zach playsack i mean he was a 12th round pick out of ball state that had tommy john surgery before the draft but they liked his peripherals they liked his bloodline you know with his uncle having been in the major leagues they liked the his makeup and and now he's up on the Indians and killing it. So I think uh, they've been doing a pretty good job. Any other quick call-outs from the 40 rounds of players the Indians drafted? Well, obviously, you know, they're not going to sign everybody. That never happens. You, you look for players that they're not going to sign, and a lot of it are, a lot of them end up being like high school players they take in rounds 11 through 40. Those are a lot tougher to sign because those kids could just go to college, do their thing, and then potentially get drafted, you know, in the the first 10 rounds the next time and make a lot more money with their signing bonus. And then while they're at college, they're getting to attend for free because they're getting a scholarship. It's tough uh, when you get a high school player at those lower levels, but the Indians have signed some every once in a while. Like they'll put aside some extra money and, and then they'll, they'll get them. Keep an eye out on what happens with those because a lot of those high school players are kind of shots in the dark, those next, the, the, the last 30 rounds. That brings us to... The top 10 prospects in the Indians system, starting out with Tristan McKenzie. Uh, I don't have any updates on him specifically, but I do know that his brother got drafted in the 39th round. Probably going to go to Vanderbilt. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And I believe Tristan was committed to Vanderbilt originally, too. So, you know, that's that's something that that family just. (laughs) And Vanderbilt's like, we're going to get one. Hell or high water, we will. (laughs) Moving on, we got Nolan Jones. And remember how we were, you know, talking about how Nolan has been good, but Mm -hmm. hasn't been hitting for any power. And then we had this big celebration because he finally hit a home run. Well, the home runs have started coming. And uh, now he's up to, I think, four on the season. He had three more over the last two weeks with 14 walks and 12 strikeouts. Batted 341 with a 509 on base percentage over the last two weeks and slugged 585 makes me salivate and i love that uh, the 212 wrc plus that is disgusting that means he was over 200 percent better than the league average player you see that number pop over the course of five games or something and it's like okay that's good but for two entire weeks that's being on fire yeah i'm i'm excited about him and i think uh as long as he can get that defense figured out, he has not been playing very good. He's had a lot of errors. I, I haven't watched him play defense. I just know by the stats and everything. Yep. But as long as he can get that defense sorted out, I mean, he's going to be in Cleveland a lot sooner than people think. A third guy on the list we have is Tyler Freeman. He had a 
It was not bad. Yeah, just nothing not crazy. Not as exciting as he has been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, batted a two seventy nine with a three thirty three on base percentage, three seventy two. To say that that's struggling is a pretty <laughs> when you're when that's struggling, you're go, you're a yeah. really good player. I'd say the one thing I I have noticed his strikeout rate has increased, and and you mentioned it eight strikeouts in the last two weeks. That's that's a bit surprising. It might come with like his renewed approach where he's seeing more pitches because he's taking more walks. So every once in a while, you know, he's going to maybe take a called third strike or swing at something to to try to protect because he's getting two strike counts a lot more often because he's being more patient at the plate. We'll see if he can make that adjustment because I know that this is a player that makes really good contact and is very difficult to strike out. And I would like to see him keep that strikeout rate really, really low. Because at, mm-hmm. at first to start the season, his strikeout rate like quadrupled and his walk rate actually went down. But now his walkout rate's actually getting up there or his strikeout rate's actually, or his strikeout rate, Stayed, went down, and his walk rate quadrupled. But now his strikeout rate's climbing. So I'd like to see him keep that strikeout rate down because he is an extremely talented player. And also, he his brother got drafted as well in the fourth round by the Rangers. Ooh, that's like a real draft pick. Yeah, at that yeah, point. he's he's going. His little brother's going pro. So moving on, Bo Naylor looks like uh, he's did pretty well over the past couple weeks. Yeah, we've ragged on him a little bit in a good natured way, just because he took a big jump this offseason to the level that he was promoted to. But 250, 282, 417 for his league. That's a 93 per or a 93 WRC plus and a catcher, not an offensive premium position necessarily. So it seems like this could be like sort of that solid foundation and footing we've been waiting for him to get so that he can continue his growth and develop from there. And then uh, George Valera, he'll be starting at Mahoning Valley this month, finally. So we're getting there. So close. So uh, sounds, you know, he he definitely finally was activated and saw some some time at extended spring training. So looks like he's healthy and ready to roll. So I'm really excited to see uh, uh, what he does. Moving on, Bobby Bradley. (laughs) Boy, has he been nasty. I just want to start with his slugging percentage for the last two weeks. Yeah. 746. That's He hit eight home runs. That is. He's a monster. Like Babe Ruth level. That is Barry Bonds during his 73 home run season level. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was. F- Did you know he hit another home run today? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so. Technically, it's nine home runs in the past 15. That's just stupid. And 305 batting average, 339 on base percentage. But if you're, I don't even care what your on base percentage is if you're going to hit a home run pretty much every game. Just do you. (laughs) Yeah. I I said it before. It's time for the Indians to call him up. It really is. It is. He has very little left to prove at this point. I mean, he's been on fire now for multiple weeks and and in fact he was named the may player of the month in the international league out of all triple a players at the international league and then he's still just destroying home runs i think he's up to 17 which is a lot i mean at this point last year the indians had no players with 10 home runs in the system bradley got off to a really slow start when he was repeating at double a i mean 17 home runs at triple (laughs) a it's that's solid time it's time to see what And it's this not guy like he's do. in the PCL either. Yeah. Like I'm ready guys. I'm my body is ready for Bobby Bradley. <laughs> uh, who do we have after Mr. Bradley? We got Brian Rocchio. 
and very interesting scouting information that you pulled up about him based on his performance at spring training. I'll let you read this because uh, it is very inter- fascinating. Yeah, and this came courtesy of Joseph Koblitz. I- Burning River Baseball. Any conversation of this group, and this is what he wrote, needs to start with superstar shortstop Brian Rocchio. He led all extended spring training players in doubles in games I attended with four in 11 games, and he stole four bases as well. Rocchio is the top defensive player at this level and can play second or short at an elite level. One of the only things holding back (laughs) Rocchio at this point is the fact that he just turned 18 in January. I don't know if being that good that young is necessarily holding him back, but from a promotion standpoint, I I get why that makes sense. I was hoping that the Indians started him at Lake County this year, but (laughs) it would have... I think the reason they didn't was because they they had a starting infield of Freeman at shortstop, Marcos Gonzalez at third base, and Jose Fermin at second. And Gonzalez and Fermin were the top international signings from the two seasons before Rokio. <laughs> the infield prospects are just, it's a traffic jam. So they didn't want to have to sit one of those guys to give Rokio an opportunity, especially because they probably mm-hmm. did have some space on low A Mahoning Valley. Gonzalez has been hurt. And I mean, Rokio could have been playing right now, but the problem is you'd also have to move Freeman because I think Rokio would be the better defensive shortstop. And I think the Indians want to keep giving Freeman opportunities at shortstop as well. So I think that's that's part of it is they didn't want to have Freeman and Rokio on the same team having to split time at shortstop or move somebody. Yeah, I think Freeman deserves the time to get the reps in and see if he can stick there because that certainly increases his value if he can be a, a defensive shortstop long term. And then our favorite prospect to talk about, Luis Oviedo. He was good. I thought he had a stability stable. He had a pitched 18.2 innings over three starts. So averaging over six innings a start. That's great. Gave up seven runs, five walks and only struck out eight. That's that seems low, but it did seem low. But that's that's the number that I pulled. I'll take it. Managed to somewhat limit the runs that he was allowing. And the cool thing was he ended up throwing at least six innings in each start. So it's not like he had like a disaster start again. And then (laughs) his last start was very good. Uh, He had five shutout innings going. And then in his final inning, he gave up two runs. So, nah, bummer. Yeah. So he was he was looking pretty nasty. It, it's nice to see him stabilize a little bit. I would like to uh, get out and see him play in person at some point this year. That so. would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Ethan Hankins, no real word there. I haven't heard too much about his performances. I know that he pitched at least once or twice in extended spring training, and I expect him to start at Mahoning Valley, but he might. Yeah. I mean, he didn't pitch a lot at low at uh, the Rookie League last year, so they might have him start in the Arizona Rookie League as well. I mean, we'll see what they do with it. Uh, but, you know, he's he seems healthy and ready to roll. So that that's the most important thing. In the meantime, we could always just go watch highlights of him destroying people in Japan again. <laughs> I've watched that, that video fun. about 100 times now. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just so nasty. <laughs> So, I mean, if we if we ever get to see anything even close to that, then I'm going to be pretty excited. And then last but not least, Sam Henkes. He had uh, 12 innings pitched with a 3.75 ERA. That's probably his best two-week stretch of the whole season. Uh, I did take the loss both times, but hey, I'll take it if uh, if he's not getting hammered and he's not walking a ton of people. I mean, that those are basically the things that have been holding him back is he either is walking like almost a batter an inning or he's been you know, way too far in the zone trying to avoid walks and then getting blasted. If he can just kind of figure things out, then that would be great because I think uh, 
you know, so far this season, he has been a disappointment. Yeah, and he's another one of the guys. There's a few of these prospects now that it feels like have either been up and down or have just been miserably slumping. So it's nice to see a few of them, it seems like, sort of get back to, I don't know if it's necessarily normal for them, but it's at least not erratic Mm -hmm. or just maddeningly depressing anymore I'm, I'm i'm hoping that he has this figured out because you know he's definitely somebody that has a lot of potential and if he can get that potential sorted out then he could really you know make a run and then moving on we have our top five players of the past two weeks yeah, a couple of them are pretty easy right off the bat um bobby bradley and nolan jones just feel like no brainers because of how insanely good they were the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then our third guy, um, Kai Tom, yeah. tell us a little bit about what he pulled off. Well, Kai Tom is, you know, he's native of Hawaii. He's been really, really good. I think maybe seeing Daniel Johnson come in and destroy a double A and then get promoted, like that sparked something with him in him. Uh, he has been playing the best he's played in his entire career over not just the past two weeks, but over the past month. You know, the Eastern League mm-hmm. is, you know, the double A league. And he was named the player of the month for the entire Eastern League. So that is pretty darn impressive. Uh, and over the past two weeks, he had a 444 batting average with a 554 on base percentage and slugged 933. So, yeah, that's that's pretty good. 315 WRC plus hit six home runs and four doubles. He's only ever hit 12 home runs as a as a season high once, and that was last season. And then this year, he's already hit 10 home runs. So, I mean, he's not at like Bobby Bradley or Will Benson levels, but 10 home runs already less than two months into the season or at about two months into the season. That's tremendous. I mean, that's on pace for over 20. 25 even so uh to to potentially more than double your career home run total that's that's he's having a breakout season and he actually got off to a slow first first month i mean he was batting about 200 maybe even a little lower uh up until the the end of april and then in may he was just ridiculous and he's raised his batting average up to about 290 now and his ops is the best on akron it's up to about 900 at this point so Nice. I mean, he's he's looking legit at this. I mean, granted, it's been a month, but it looks like he has become a threat. He's always kind of had that potential. He just hasn't quite gone to that next level because I remember. Yeah, we've talked a few times. He's had stretches before yeah. where like he's looked elite, basically. And I remember a couple seasons ago consistency at to Lake it. County, it was him and Connor Maribel and Nathan Lukes in the outfield. And they were just so much better than every other outfield in in that league. (laughs) (laughs) And and now, you know, Maribel and Tom are both performing well in the Indian system at the upper levels. Luke's ended up getting traded for Brandon Geyer, if you remember. But yeah, it looks like Tom is, you know, breaking out. He really uh, he's looking good. He's making good contact. He's improving his power. I mean, he's he's a threat in the middle of that Akron lineup. And he's the reason that they have a winning record right now, because they're pitching has been good, but not great. And they've been needing some offense because, you know, they lost Daniel Johnson. You know, they haven't had quite the the top prospects on that team. They needed somebody to step up and he's stepping up. Huge shout out to Kai Tom. Uh, and, and you have to love his Twitter handle. His, his real name is Blaze, by the way. 
Blaze Kai Tom. And his Twitter handle is just Blaze. <laughs> so when minor league baseball <laughs> announced that he was the player of the month, they're like, congrats, just Blaze <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, oh. he's got a sense of humor, too. It fits so well with what my idea of a Hawaiian baseball player would be like. <laughs> I actually interviewed him a couple seasons ago. He was, he was a pretty cool cat. So, cool. so I'm looking forward to seeing if he can uh, keep this up. Now, moving on, we had Gabriel Rodriguez, if you remember. He was the Indians' top international signing last year out of, I think, the Dominican Republic during the International Signing Day around July 2nd of 2018. But when they sign him then, they're only 16 years old. They're not ready. You know, they're not allowed to even legally play yet. Um, And he made his debut in the Dominican Summer League just this past uh, Saturday. And he's already gone six for 18 and every hit except one has been extra bases with three doubles, a triple. He hit his first home run today and he's leading the entire Dominican summer league in RBIs with 11. Yeah. He's off to a good start and he is a player to get excited about a shortstop that can hit the hell out of the ball with good power. I think people were hype about Aaron Brocco, who still hasn't made his professional debut. Gabriel Rodriguez is definitely somebody to pay attention to moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah, we didn't mention any pitchers. So, yeah, Aaron Savalli. Over the past two weeks, he went two starts, went 12.2 innings pitched with eight hits, three earned runs, two walks, and 13 strikeouts. His last start, 10 strikeouts, no walks, one run in six innings. Really, really nice performance. And I'm going to make it number six because there's a player that deserves to be mentioned that I totally forgot about, and it's Will Benson. He's actually been keeping up with Bobby Bradley over the past two weeks. He was named uh, Midwest League Player of the Week last week. Over the past two weeks, Will Benson batted 341, stole four bases, hit six home runs with a double and a triple, 17 runs batted in, eight walks, and let's see the advanced stats... On base percentage was 440, slugged 854. WRC plus, not quite Tom levels, but 243. So he definitely deserves being mentioned as well. Will Benson, he's ready. Uh, At this point, I think the only reason they haven't promoted him is they want him to play in the Midwest League All-Star game. And Benson and Tyler Freeman... And I think Manuel Alvarez, a reliever, were named from Lake County as members mm-hmm. of the Midwest League All-Star team. And those are the old, the first All-Star announcements announced. So I think the second, literally, the second he steps off the field after they pull him from that game, they're shipping him to Lynchburg. <laughs> yeah. And it is nice that they let them have that moment in yeah, the minor league all-star games i always think it's pretty cool when they do that there's some players that just force the issue and then you have to promote them like like eli morgan did at lynchburg to start this season you know some other players did that daniel johnson obviously but if you've been really good i mean at this point in the season let them play the all-star game then promote them that happens a lot so we're going to see i think a lot of promotion moving forward especially with all the players they just drafted that are going to be filling up the low a and rookie league might push some players that they didn't just draft that were in that area up to Lake County. They'll just have to make some corresponding moves along the way. So yeah, it's been a really exciting two weeks. There have been several very, very good performers. And given that we've been away for a little bit longer, we also have a decent number of injuries, players getting released. And then it looks like, did we have any retirements? No no releases as far as I know. Although I did kind of 
when I went through this list, I kind of filtered out like there were a couple things like say maybe a player got called up for a day and then got sent back down. I didn't include that. Although I will mention one of them because uh, it happened a bunch of times, like just for maybe they need a spot bullpen guy or something. But Rob Kaminsky did make his AAA debut. He's been at AA for the past like four seasons and because of injuries and everything. And he got called up. Hasn't done very well. He went one and two thirds innings, I think gave up three runs. But hey, he actually finally th- tasted AAA and then he got sent back down. But the person he got sent back down for is newsworthy. So we'll get to that in a minute. But we'll start with injuries. Hasn't been horrible for injuries, but a few high-profile names did get hurt. Chi Wei Hu, been starting for the, the Clippers, and then recently got demoted to the bullpen because he wasn't playing very well. He was not playing well. <laughs> so he was placed on the seven-day injured list, maybe just for being bad. I don't know. I, I didn't see anything about an actual injury. Uh, Cody Anderson, this one's kind of scary. Elbow inflammation, so seven-day injured list. That looks like it's going to be more than seven days. I hope. I really hope it's not any complications with the surgery, but it happens sometimes. I mean, some guys, it feels like bounce back from Tommy John surgery in Mm -hmm. like 10 months. And then other guys, as good as we are at surgery now, just sometimes it doesn't work. No injuries at Akron. They've just had a lot of players move around. At Lynchburg, Nick Gallagher, right-handed pitcher, went on the seven-day injured list. And then a catcher, Mike Rivera, out of Florida. He's on the seven-day injured list. And Shane McCarthy at Lake County went on the injured list with right lat tightness. He's been a starting pitcher for them. Gian Paul Gonzalez is on the injured list, also a catcher. Multiple catchers get promotions. So these are the big ones to talk about. So at Columbus, Daniel Johnson was promoted about a day or two after our last podcast. So it's been almost two weeks now, and he's been great. Columbus, he he was almost in our top five for the past two weeks. Henry Martinez was activated after being inactive for a couple weeks. Uh, ben Krauth was briefly promoted to Akron. I don't know if he's or pro- promoted to, tr- to Columbus from Akron. Connor Maribel was promoted to Columbus when Mike Poppy got hurt. And then this is the big one, uh, Nick Sandlin. He was the second round pick last season by the Indians that advanced all the way to double A and as a semi side armor with just nasty stuff. And he's been great in Akron to start this season. He got off to a bit of a slow start just because he missed the first few weeks of the season. I mean, he's been filthy at double A and the Indians decided it was time to promote him to triple A about one year to the date after he was drafted, he is at AAA, and he is almost ready to get called up to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. He's coming. And as we mentioned earlier, Aaron Savalli is made is uh, promoted to Columbus as well. Um, he's been at Akron for about the past two and a half seasons, so well-deserved. He's been great. He, he did not start the first more than month of the season uh, due to an injury, and but when the second he got activated from spring training, he's been very good. So... Looks like uh, he's healthy and he's throwing strikes. And that last start, he had 10 strikeouts and no walks. So, yeah, uh, I'm excited to see what he can do because a lot of people compared him to Shane Bieber when, uh, you know, as they were both rising through the system together. And if he can give us a little starting pitching depth, especially after what just happened today with Carrasco, I think Savali actually might be one of our next best options, especially now that Jeffrey Rodriguez is also on the injured list. It's astonishing how fast a team goes from having this overabundance of starting pitching. And you blink and then it's like, oh, this guy was in AAA two weeks ago and but now hey, he's starting. You know, Zach Playsack's been pretty amazing. So, 
Yes, he Hopefully has. the Indians have uh, a few more tricks up their sleeve because they may need them. On rehab news, Mike Clevenger will be making a rehab start for Columbus tomorrow on Thursday. So I know this podcast will probably be out Friday. So Mike Clevenger made a rehab start yesterday. <laughs> I wish I could go check it out. I have tech rehearsal tomorrow as well, but... Soon I'll be free and I'll actually be able to go to Clippers games because I won't be doing something every single night of the week because (laughs) I'm a psychopath. So, yep. And then in Akron, they've been busy as well. Uh, Mitch Longo was activated from the injured list and he's already back and smacking doubles in the middle of the Akron lineup. Alex Call, if you remember him, do you remember Alex Call? I remember his name. Yep. Uh, Okay. That's all you really need. Yonder Alonso deal. We got Alex Call <laughs> for Yonder Alonso. That's right. And he's been hurt all season. He got activated about a week ago. He's been great. He hit a home run, I think, in his second game back. He's OPS and over 900 in his brief since being activated. Looks good, as long as he can stay healthy. And that has been a kind of a problem throughout his career. But if you read some articles about this kid, like he's one of those number-crunching guys that like pays attention to all the, the stats and... The money ball stuff. So this is, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's one of us. I think that he has some potential. Now, we'll see if he can, you know, have a stay healthy and put up some good numbers with Akron. But I've had my eye on him ever since the Indians acquired him. So I I would like to see how he performs. I think that he's going to do pretty well. And then Anthony Ghost, if you remember, the former big league utility man turned pitcher. He was the closer briefly for Lynchburg after the Indians signed him. And was hitting the upper 90s with his fastball. And he got promoted to, to Akron. And he's been doing pretty well with Akron so far as well. So he is now on Akron. And then also Trenton Brooks was a corresponding promotion to Akron when Daniel Johnson and Connor Maribel went up to Columbus. And Trenton Brooks was one of the best offensive players on uh, Lynchburg last season. But he hasn't been quite as good this year. But... I mean, he's been he's been a player that's repeating at high A, and I think that they felt, yeah, it's just time to give this guy a shot. So good for Trenton Brooks at Lynchburg. Riley Eccles was promoted from Lake County, a right-handed pitcher. At Lake County, they had uh, quite a few things happen. Kyle Marmon, he was drafted, I think, in 2017, missed all of 2017 and 18, finally made his pro debut at Lake County, full season. Uh, got off to a good start, but then in his last appearance, I think he uh, gave up a walk, go-ahead, uh, runs, blew a save. We'll see. I mean, it looks like they're using him as a bullpen option. Juan Moda, right-handed pitcher, was activated from the injured list. Josh Roulette, a catcher, was activated. And he's a guy that I'm going to pay attention to because what round do you think Josh Roulette was drafted in by the Indians in about two years ago? 39 out of 40. He was almost <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant. So was he like a college senior then? I think so. And like, I didn't even know that they'd signed him. If you look up my like bonus tracker and stuff, he's like the one player that I didn't have with a yes and the bonus next to it at the very bottom. Because I just didn't think that they'd signed him. Then all of a sudden I see some see that he's playing and I'm like, what? <laughs> so I should probably go back <laughs> and add that they signed him. But I mean, that's a two-year-old article. Uh, and then Thomas Ponte... <laughs> I like to imagine that you do, like, even going back two years, just in case, like, someone someday goes back, <laughs> checking to see if you've 
been right the entire time. Uh, and then, yeah, I should go back like when a guy gets drafted and be like, oh, this guy's going to be a total bust. I, I expect he'll get injured in two years and then he'll just, the Indians will release him. <laughs> Man, how did he know? <laughs> He's a genius. Uh, and then uh, right-handed pitcher Thomas Ponticelli was activated from the in- injured list. And he actually made a, his first start at Lake County and it went pretty well in a doubleheader. So it went about four innings. Okay. So he's more of a long reliever, but hey, they gave him a start and he did well. So maybe they'll give him another one, especially with a few of the injuries they've had lately. And now we get to take a peek to see our Indians in the cupboard and how they're doing. This is a couple of players outside of the top 10 that we want to keep specific tabs on. And so I have still been following Kyle Nelson, the reliever. And you know what? I am I am disappointed mm-hmm. in him. For shame. He, shame, he gave up a he gave up a shame. home run. He 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 gave up a home run. It's the only home run he's given up. It's the only run he's given up. Period. <laughs> so so far for this season, he has twenty three innings pitched with a point three nine ERA, forty strikeouts, three walks, eight hits, and also that inning that inning he gave up the home run. He struck out the side. <laughs> of course yep. he did. <laughs> yeah. So even with that home run, he went. Five and a third, 11 strikeouts, one earned run. That's still pretty good. I know he started the season at high A, Mm -hmm. right? But like he's still murdering people in broad daylight. So before long, he's got to end up in Columbus. I I completely agree. I think, you know, do that kind of thing that they do after the All-Star game. I don't know if he'll be a double-A All-Star just because he hasn't had the time at (laughs) double-A. But he's good. He's really good. And I think that there's going to be like a little assembly line of bullpen arms that move up. I think Nelson will go up. I think Robert Broom from High A will go up. And then somebody from Lake County will go up in corresponding. Like It'll be just that little assembly line of really good uh, bullpen arms that are you know killing it right now. It's a nice little pipeline that we've built yeah, up. Especially, you know, they hadn't had, you know, really good bullpen prospects for a while. I think the last one that was even listed as a top 20 bullpen arm was Sean Armstrong. I mean, he's doing pretty well right now. I think he's the closer for for Baltimore. Granted, the worst team in baseball, but he's still closing. That's the last <laughs> one that they had, and it seems like right now they've got about five at least that could be, yeah. you know, from the minors that could be making a serious impact on the Indians. That's something to be pretty excited about, and it looks like they drafted more. For my hitter, I, as has been noted, sadly dumped Will Benson right before he decided he was good at baseball again. But Mark Mathias is the guy that I picked up and he's he's been doing well. He had a 319, 360, 532 slash uh, in the last two weeks. A couple of dingers, four doubles. Uh, his WRC plus in that span was up around 125 or so. He's at 110 for the entire season. One thing, and it's because I haven't been able to watch any AAA games, really. How do we have a good feel for his glove at second? Yeah, it's, it's above average. I mean, he, he's a good athlete. Okay. Seems like his, I mean, he's played third base, so his arm's pretty solid as well. So I think uh, at second base, I, I think right now he could probably play better second base. I think he could play just as good defensive second base as Kipnis right now. And I think he could be hitting better than Kipnis right now. At least potentially platoon him. I know he had a couple of years in the minors that were a little under the radar, relatively was, speaking. He, he was a high draft pick, yeah, He was a third pick, round right? pick. Okay. He skipped uh, low A entirely and went straight to, to Lake County after the year after they drafted him, I think. And 
Let me double check that. He may have skipped single A and went straight to high A. Especially with the state of the team, with the additional loss of Carrasco, and... Went from 2015 to 2016 and went straight to Lynchburg. And in Lynchburg, he batted 274 and hit 39 doubles <laughs> that season. That's and solid. got a late And got a late season promotion to double A. The problem was he spent 2016, 2017, and 2018 at double A. Or he spent 2017 and 2018 at double A, never hitting more than 232 because of injuries. Uh, he only had 35 games in 2017, and he wasn't particularly good last year. Uh, but it seems like he's healthy right now, and despite this being his first time at AAA, and he's been tremendous. He really has. Potentially interesting to see, you know, with the team possibly going into whether you want to call it a rebuild or a reload or a retooling. He looks like the kind of guy they might end up giving some time at the major league level. And I want to see him at the major league level just to see what he's got. Yeah, he looks good. He looks healthy. He looks strong. And they're not going to have Kipnis next year. So it might be, I mean, why not give him a shot early and at least platoon him with Kipnis? Because Kipnis can't hit left-handers anymore. He just can't. He hasn't been able to, he hasn't been able to hit left-handers for a couple years now. And, you know, Freeman is a lefty too. So uh, there's, you can't platoon him with Kipnis when a lefty's up. So why not call up Mark Mathias and have him? Uh, play a little bit when Kipnis when we face a lefty for Kipnis because I'm just tired of seeing Kipnis bat clean up against lefties. I mean, just yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think Matthias could make something happen. Like he's he's hitting for some decent power. He's getting on base. He's been great. So I've been very excited about uh, his development recently. Moving on, my Indians in the cupboard. Oscar Gonzalez uh, slowed down a little bit. You know, after batting 360 all season over the past two weeks, he's batted 281 with a 293 on base percentage. That means he took another walk. What was hilarious, by the way, it's just a funny Oscar Gonzalez story. Uh, there's a guy I follow on Twitter that was paying attention to the game, and he goes, Oh my God, Oscar Gonzalez just took a four pitch walk. And then he goes, Never mind. On the 3-0 count, he smacked a double to right field. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, people. <laughs> so, and then he uh, had a 404 slugging with a 97 WRC plus over the last two weeks. So, he's been average, uh, and that's that's been a, str- a slump for him, which is good. Yeah, if your slumps are league average, that's pretty solid. Exactly. And then Eli Morgan, who I added as my pitcher after uh, Raymond Burgos went on the injured list. Uh, Morgan, in his last couple starts, has gone uh, 11.2 innings pitched, allowing four earned runs with 13 strikeouts and four walks with a 3.09 ERA. So not terrible, obviously, but, uh, you know, average to above average. And considering this is his first taste of double A, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's not the type of line that you're going to look at and go, this guy sucks. I mean, it's it's perfectly fine. It's not quite what we're used to seeing from him, but he's up a little bit. He's gone up a couple levels and he continues to produce. 
that brings us to the end of the podcast. And well, thank you everyone for tuning in again. Uh, we apologize for the break last week, but we will be back next week with some more information about the Indians minor league system and the prospects. <laughs>